Healthcare workers are in high demand right now. Many doctors and nurses are moving away from their specialized fields to fight the coronavirus and save as many lives as possible. Which means that a lot of other medical procedures, everything from chemo to liver transplants, are on pause. But things get tricky with a controversial procedure like abortion. Some states are banning abortion procedures, deeming them non-essential during this strenuous time. Texas is one of those states. Now, one San Antonio doctor finds himself at the center of a political and public health crisis. From Neon Hum Media, this is Telescope. I'm your host, Jonathan Hirsch. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the foreseeable future, we're going to bring you stories of people who are far away, up close, and how each of us are learning to live through this pandemic. We're talking today to Dr. Alan Braid. B-R-A-I-D, like you braid your hair. Dr. Alan Braid is an old school doctor. He started in OBGYN, went into women's health in the 70s when it probably didn't occur to all the men. Originally, Dr. Braid thought he would be a pediatrician. He did his pediatrician rotation and realized he really found it hard to work with kids who were ill. And when I got on OB... It was a happy place. He felt pure joy, right? Being with women who were about to give birth, helping them with all of their healthcare needs. And eventually, after years of being an OBGYN and all of that time providing abortions uh, one day or two days a week, he decided to make abortion care his full-time job. And then a clinic here in San Antonio was gonna close, and I said, well, don't close it. Let me buy it from you, and I'll run it. He is an abortion doctor in San Antonio, Texas. His clinic is one of only two that provides abortions there. He doesn't seem very political about it. He just seems matter-of-fact that this is his duty as a doctor. And it never occurred to me not to provide abortion. So I can imagine that being in the state of Texas, however, where the issue of abortions is a very political issue, um, that that's probably not the easiest place to practice that kind of medical care. No, not at all. Dr. Braid has been performing abortions for decades. He was a resident in 1972 before Roe v. Wade. Back then... They were performing abortions, but they had to have an assist from a psychiatrist. The psychiatry department would enter a note in a patient's chart after a short interview that said the clinician believed that if this patient were forced to continue the pregnancy, that she might do harm to herself. And it was that way they were able to perform abortions before Roe v. Wade, because basically they argued they were saving the life of the mother. Almost 50 years after the historic decision, doctors still have to find workarounds to perform abortions in Texas. There are roughly two dozen open clinics in the state. Dr. Braid operates one of them. That's because in 2013, 
Texas passed a law that was incredibly restrictive. Basically, the law forced abortion providers to jump through a couple of hoops. They had to get admitting privileges at nearby hospitals, and they also had to seriously upgrade their clinics. So we borrowed about $3 million to build that, equip it, and get started. And then the Supreme Court struck down the law the day Dr. Braid opened his clinic. But he felt it was worth it, because if that Texas law had stood, becoming a surgical center was the only way he could keep providing abortions. So he's not sorry. It was a hurdle, but he's faced plenty in his time. There's an active anti-abortion movement in Texas. It was always just a passing thought when I'd drive up to the clinic, endure the yelling of the protesters. But once I was in the building and seeing patients, that danger went away. Okay, so COVID is continuing to spread. And that impacts all sorts of medical procedures. I'm just thinking here that this must also impact his work. Now, I feel that danger in the building. And not just for me, but for the staff and for the patients, which is a whole different thing. They started to put some safety measures in place. If someone brought you, they had to wait in the car Uh, We were only allowing 10 patients at a time. We were taking their temperature at the door, taking their history. Have you been out of the country? Do you, uh, you know, have any symptoms? Have you come in contact? You know, all the things we're told we should do that will help protect us. How did the state of Texas handle the situation? I'm issuing... Two executive orders. Governor Greg Abbott announced plans to deal with the potential As COVID started to spread, Governor Greg Abbott decided to issue an executive order. Must be postponed. He also waived regulations. He banned any surgeries that weren't going to save the life of a patient and banned any surgeries that weren't so-called medically necessary. I was determined to see patients in spite of that executive order, because I felt like I could justify saying that abortion was not an elective procedure. And so he girds for a fight. And actually, the lawyers that represent clinics like mine said that uh, we could proceed, and they were kind of scrambling as to how to deal with it. But then Ken Paxson, the attorney general, says that the order to stop all surgeries that aren't medically necessary applies to abortion providers too. That no abortion provider can provide a surgery without facing 180 days in jail or a $1,000 fine. I think things got a little darker as far as where this was going that the state was pretty serious about this. 180 days in jail didn't sound really good. Stepping back here for a second, Catherine, there has to be a lot of things that somebody who runs an abortion clinic like Dr. Braid is thinking right now. 
What are some of the factors um, that are at play? What is he worried about? Well, you know, he's worried about the health of his workers who are interacting with patients and can't keep, you know, six feet away from all patients. I had a very bad feeling that I was asking my staff to risk our lives to continue to provide abortion care. He's worried about his waiting room and how many people in there may or may not already have COVID-19. He's worried about having procedures in place to prevent his clinic from being a hotbed of COVID-19. Keep in mind, he doesn't have any masks, right? He doesn't have some of the things that would help him be able to cultivate safety for his staff members. I made a decision even before Ken Paxton issued that statement that we were going to close, that I was not willing to take the responsibility of any harm coming to my staff. I, I, I just couldn't do it. He had to shut down. I would rather say in six months from now, you know, looking back, we really didn't need to close the clinic. As opposed to six months from now saying, gosh, I wish I'd have closed the clinic and so-and-so would have still been alive. Oh, wow. I was just thinking about all of his patients. What does that mean for all the people that already have appointments with him? that are already expecting care. Right. So his employees had to start calling women who already had scheduled abortions and telling them that they were shuttering their doors, that essentially the abortion they thought they were getting this week, they can no longer get. So my head nurse and, and some of the other employees started calling patients. And I was at home and I got a call about two hours after that, my head nurse, in tears. She said, this is very difficult. The women are asking, well, then where can I go? They're hysterical. You know, there's no place for me to send them. There's nothing I can do. Just imagine. You're scheduled to have an abortion, and instead, now you can't. You might have to have the child that you hadn't planned for. And she asked if we could make a few exceptions to the patients that were really, really traumatized by not being able to come in. And on first blush, I said, well, of course, you know, this week we'll do it. But then the Ken Paxton thing came out, and uh, I called her and said, we just can't make any exceptions. So that's where we stand. We're closed. Uh, you know, my employees are sad and torn about this as I am. I mean, he's pissed because... Essentially, the executive order that Abbott put through wouldn't be necessary if we had had tests to be able to pinpoint which Americans had COVID-19 and who they had interacted with 
But in the absence of testing, there is no safe way for him to provide abortions. That's what he would say. Because he doesn't know which patients have the virus, and he doesn't have the equipment to protect his staff from it. So it's a double bind. I mean, what we're doing in this country right now is shooting rabbits with elephant guns, you know, because we've not been able to be specific as to who needs to be quarantined, who needs to stay home. So instead, we've said no one can do anything, including providing much-needed health care. He spent a lot of time in our interview talking about the safety of his workers and safety for his patients. It was only towards the end of our interview that he mentioned one crucial fact. I'm 74. If I got coronavirus seeing patients, well, it may take me a couple of weeks to get sick, and I can see a couple of weeks of patients. But if I die, long-term, that would mean fewer patients would be able to access abortion because there are, there are few enough providers in this state. So if something happened to me, that would be one less. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. He's a scarcity. There are only so many abortion providers in Texas. He benched himself now to be able to provide abortions in the future. And I assume you you don't just work, that you have people in your life that love you. And so it is also personal. I have a a son that lives in California and two daughters who live in San Antonio. And I've heard from all three of them today. They were all sad but relieved that I was not going to see patients. I want to be able to provide abortion to women in whenever this ends, in August or September, October, November, you know, and I'm just of the belief right now, it's like going to war. If you're not willing to die, you know, don't sign up. But then he got some news that made this decision even harder. A federal judge issued a temporary restraining order against the state of Texas. Judge Lee Yackel says the ban violates Roe v. Wade. I have not made a decision. I still feel like, for me, it's all about testing. If I'm sure that none of our staff are at risk, and none of the patients that come through the door are either at risk or present a risk, then I'm good to go. I think Dr. Braid is leaning towards staying closed. He's going to talk to his staff, but he's playing the long game, right? 
He wants to close now so that when he's in his 80s, he'll be able to provide abortion care to women in Texas. I think I'm doing the right thing. Whether or not other people think that, uh, that's fine with me. But I have to live with my decision. I've done so many things, appeared in court cases. I've had the tires on my car slashed. I've been threatened. And, and none of that has ever deterred me. I don't entirely understand why I feel this way because I've always just charged forward and knew I was making the right decision. But this is a line that I'm afraid of crossing. And we'll see in a few months if I'm correct or not. But I don't think we've seen the worst of this, certainly not yet, in San Antonio, but we will, like every other city. It's gonna hit and it's gonna be bad. This story is rapidly unfolding. As of Tuesday afternoon, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that the state of Texas can implement its temporary ban on abortion. It's likely the beginning of a back and forth that could eventually land this case at the feet of the Supreme Court. As we go to publish on this episode, Dr. Alan Braid's clinic remains closed. A big thank you to Dr. Alan Braid for his candor. Telescope is made possible by the world-class team of producers, editors, and engineers that make up Neon Hum Media. Today's episode was produced by Shara Morris, Haley Fager, and Joanna Clay. It was reported by Catherine St. Louis. Editors are Vikram Patel and me. Our engineer is Mark Bush. Thanks to Matt McGinley for our theme music and to Blue Dot Sessions for additional tracks you hear on this episode. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Neon Hum Media. We want to stay connected to you during this unprecedented time in our history. So please don't be shy. Share your stories with us. Our DMs are open. If you have a story of life in isolation because of the coronavirus that you want to share with us, email us at pitches at neonhum.com. I'm Jonathan Hirsch. See you Friday. Friday.